Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's have ourselves a big old helping of some tech gumbo today. It is snowing here in New York City right now, so that sounds fantastic. Well, the first thing we want to do is we want to say, hey, this is a special show. This is our 300th radio show that we've done. That is absolutely incredible. And I am so blown away by that number. I, I just remember thinking back to the very beginning of it and just how if you told me we got to 50, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. And we're at 300 now, and it just continues to be awesome. To go back to November 2014 and think that would have lasted more than a month, and here we are in our 10th year of doing this show, is just amazing to me. And this is fun. I mean, I'm glad people still listen to us, listen around the world, actually, because of the podcast. And we'll just keep on going on and on and on and on. As long as you guys are listening, we'll keep talking. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's jump into the news. Start off with the Samsung Galaxy phones are possibly coming out with a trifold phone. This is pretty ridiculous to me. I've yet to be convinced they've solved the first fold. And so adding a second fold just seems like you're doubling the number of problems that you have. I, I have not not intrigued basically with this phone and there's just some some sketches of it and and a potential ai drawing or picture of what it might look like this is taking an ipad and folding it in a third and a third and so now the phone is about the thickness of three iphones folded together but yeah you got a big long screen and that's fine but why don't you just use your tablet instead of worrying about a phone. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. All the, the descriptions that we've found so far would have it open up to about that size. And this feels like a, a big swing. They're, they're trying for something. 
And we've talked on the show for years now that the smartphone has kind of stagnated as a design. But that's because we know exactly what it is. That there's a lot of different people who make smartphones globally, and they all iterate on it. If there was truly demand for something else, if the phone could evolve into something better that more people wanted, we'd see that. But consumer sentiment has seemed to settle around the box. And until someone, I really don't even think that you're going to improve on the box. I think we won't have a a significant change to the smartphone until the Apple Vision Pro comes towards the phone as opposed to the phone going towards the Vision Pro. That's, I think, the next time we'll see some sort of major leap. I kind of alluded to it there about the the iPad. I have an iPhone 13 Pro Max. And if you take that phone and just put it over the top of the iPad and then flip it over and then flip it over, that is the width of the phone. This makes no sense to me. I don't see the need because... If my iPhone is already thick and it's just the iPhone, to fold it in three, I don't want something that bulky in my pocket. I don't see this. This is a waste of time. Uh, again, a swing and a miss for me. I agree. The The number one challenge that I would want my phone to, to solve is more battery life. You can't make the screen that much bigger. I don't need to be able to read an entire document on my phone if i wanted to actually interact with something that complex i'd sit down at a computer and i'd need a mouse and a keyboard and so the fact that i want to be able to hold it in my hand and operate it with operate it with my thumb really limits how big it can get there's a reason that phones don't continue to grow and grow and grow it's about the size of a human hand and beyond that it just gets unwieldy and I, i just I don't think this is a solution. Absolutely. It's give me better connectivity. The battery, sure, maybe a little bit better battery. I'm more about connectivity. Make make it faster. I don't want to read War and Peace on my iPhone. I don't. I, I want to see a couple of text messages coming through. Maybe look at a quick email to see if I need to go back to my computer to read it. And then I want to use my phone as a phone. I think another place where innovation will come will be artificial intelligence. That that is just the absolute buzzword right now. Apple's talking about how they can bake it into the next round of iPhones. You have to know that Google's going to bake it in the next round of Pixels. That Samsung wants to do something with artificial intelligence in their line. That's, that's, I think, where you're going to really see it on that software in, which is powered by the hardware because it does take some really intense circuitry to be able to run all the, the generative AI stuff. But again, that's, you still have the box in your hand. It's just better inside the box as opposed to changing the box itself. Oh, when iOS 18 comes out later this year, you know it's going to be packed with generative AI. It's just whether or not my iPhone 13 will be able to run that. I may have to go get a new phone just to run the the latest version of their iOS. And I think that's what this is really all about, is that smartphone sales have stagnated for a long time now, and they're desperate to do anything to kick off that next round of smartphone sales. And 
this just doesn't make me want to go out and buy a new one. My current phone is two years old, and I could easily see getting another year, maybe another two years out of it. Another device that's trying to get more users out of it is not just the Xbox, but Microsoft and their Game Pass. They've now said they're ready to open up Game Pass to the PS5 and to the Switch. This is a seismic shift in the industry. Microsoft has been a hardware company that also has first-party game developers. And that was one of the things which was the reason why people bought an Xbox is because some of the titles that Microsoft had were viewed as console drivers. The Halo franchise saved the original Xbox. And then they've had the Gears of War franchise. They've had a lot of different games that have been only on Microsoft. And that's why people went and bought that Xbox console. But that's not the Microsoft of 2024. When Satya Nadala took over as CEO in 2015-ish, he was very adamant about he wanted Microsoft to be platform agnostic. They want their software to work on any device that you have. He has been saying this for almost a decade now. He doesn't care if you're using a, a Linux box. He doesn't care if you're on a Mac. If you're on whatever kind of device, Google, Chrome, whether you're on an iPhone, PC, or whatever, he wants you to be able to use Microsoft software and pay him monthly to do so. And this is absolutely a natural extension of that. He wants you to play Microsoft games on whatever platform and pay Microsoft that monthly recurring revenue for it. If you want to play it on your Nintendo Switch and pay Microsoft at $10 a month or whatever, the $20 a month, on your PS5 and pay Microsoft $20 a month, they are giddy to do so. It'll be fascinating to see what happens. Do they hit their growth targets? Do people on the Switch and the PS5 want these things? This is a, this is a large bet that Microsoft is making here. This is a seismic shift in the way that the video game industry would work. And I see their logic. It, it makes sense on paper. It really does. I'll be fascinated to see does this actually work? So two years ago, Microsoft had about 25 million active Xbox Game Pass users. The estimate right now is there's somewhere between 30 and 35 million users. Their goal is to have 100 million users by the year 2030. Well, they're not going to get there just with Xbox users and PC users. They need everybody who has any kind of gaming console to to want to come play. They didn't spend all that money buying Activision Blizzard just to let it sit around and do nothing. They made a huge gamble, a huge purchase, and now they want it to pay off. Yeah, and so you said that the, they're currently at 30 million subscribers. To put that in perspective, there's about 50 million Xboxes. And so they're at 60% of their own market. It's tough to push up from there. But there's another 50 million PS5s, which they haven't even got onto yet. And there's 150 million Nintendo Switches out there. And so they're sitting on 50 million. There are 200 million that they haven't even begun to scratch yet. And that is what they're seeing. Those are the dollar signs in their eyes are all of those consoles 
which are not currently running Microsoft software and probably could pretty easily. So if they could only get a third of those folks to sign up for this Microsoft Game Pass, that's their 100 million way before 2030 ever happens. That is their logic. That is their thinking. And again, I see it. It, it on paper. It is there. And it's just going to come down to, is this what people actually want? And I don't know. I, I, I haven't played console games in a long time. I'm not that plugged into the market, but it's it's possible. We'll keep an eye out and might have to even go out and buy a, a PlayStation 5 just so I can get me a game pass. <laughs> Call it research. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm sure it'll go over real well at home. Oh, uh, your mom would love that. <laughs> Speaking of scams. <laughs> <laughs> Americans lost $10 billion to scams last year, according to the Federal Trade Commission. That is an insane number for a couple different reasons. And one of the biggest ones to me is the size that the median person lost $7,000 to scams. And this number has exploded because in 2019, it was only $3,000. So in four years, that number more than doubled the amount of people, the amount of money that people were losing to scams. The types of fraud, you've got imposters, online shopping, you know, the prize, sweepstake, lotteries, phonies, things and then bad investments, and then fake job opportunities. Those are the top five types of fraud. And they are just just raking in huge amount of money. And, you know, it doesn't take that much of an effort to kind of see through it, but you have to stop and ask yourself, okay, this probably seems a little too good to be true. Let me do some homework before I send a $7,000 check to somebody. A lot of the most commonly reported frauds involve the victims falling for impersonation scams where the crooks pose as government officials or business representatives. If you're about to send money to someone who you don't know, who you haven't met in person, double check, triple check, ask people around you to see if they think that this is on the level. Just really be sure before you send that money off, because if you send it off to the the scammers, it's not coming back. Moving on. You being the researcher in the autonomous vehicle world, Apple made a move by going up by a factor of four the number of research miles they did in 2023 versus 2022 in autonomous vehicle testing. They are on a huge hockey stick uh, growth up because it's 30 times more than what they did in 2021. And so for a long time, Apple has had some sort of self-driving car, it's turned over a couple times. They've never really been very public about it. It's had a couple of different names. It's it's failed and rebuilt itself. This is the first time they've really shown any sort of meaningful progress. Now, to put it in perspective, it was much easier for them to rapidly grow their numbers. They're still at one-eighth of what Google did. Google did 2.6 million, whereas Apple did 450,000, so that puts it into perspective there the the sizes of what of who's doing what but they are growing they are trying and that's interesting because self-driving cars doesn't really feel like an apple product yet and so i'm curious as to 
what do they do with it? You know, when do they put a name on it? Does it become its own division or is it the Apple self-driving car? Or is it just the software to put on somebody else's car that they're wanting to do? So if they're going to be the Apple autonomous vehicles for Ford, hypothetically, or Dodge or, or pick a pick a any, any car, instead of going on creating their own line of vehicles, maybe they just, hey, you guys over there, you've got a car. We've got a self-driving software program. Let's do a deal together. Uh, I I definitely think that the partnership with the OEM, the original equipment manufacturer, makes the most sense here. That Apple does not want to invent the car from the ground up. They don't want to have to sit there and make all the mistakes to learn how to build a functioning car. Apple is a computer company. They're a hardware and a software company. And so they want to put their cameras and their processors onto a functioning car already. They want to go talk to as you said, the Ford or the GM or the whoever who already knows how to do the other part and then they just control that with their system. That seems plausible. You know, the next step for them would be, do they start operating as a taxi? That, you know, the reason why Waymo is in the news so much is because they are actually ferrying people around in Southern California and Apple's not hit that stage yet. So we'll see how long before they take that next step. The last story we wanted to get to, Google Maps is making a major upgrade. They are injecting generative AI into your Google Maps now. This is pretty expected at this point in time. Generative AI is the buzz word, the buzz phrase, the buzz idea. It is coming to everywhere for everything. Anything which is a piece of software which is maintained by a large company is going to have generative AI stuffed into it. Whether so, or not it's useful or good, I think we've yet to see. Here's how Google is trying to do it. So what they're trying to, to do is if you're driving down the road and you're seeing the Google Maps now and you see, oh, there's Joe's Pizza Shack. on It pops up right now on Google Maps with the generative AI portion. They have the best pepperoni pizza. And by the way, you like pepperoni more than you do Italian sausage. So this would be a good pizza place for you to stop at. I, I definitely think that you're onto something there. That what Maps is, is it's a very subtle, sometimes not as subtle, way to place ads in front of you. That it is ads for businesses. It is that you are looking at on the map. And so if all of a sudden... It didn't look like an ad. If all of a sudden it talked to you and it used language and it, it, it didn't feel as commercially packaged, that doesn't trip those sensors in your brain and say, oh, I'm looking at an ad. Google is an ad company. That is why all of Google's products are free, is that you are the product. And Google is trying to figure out how can they use their generative AI to sell better ads. And that's, that is what is happening here is that's, they're going to put it into maps. It's already in the email. We'll talk about that in the next segment. It is coming for everything, everywhere. Generative AI is the future, like it or not. And Google is very good at it, the gener generative AI. They are the best at the mapping software. Google Maps or Waze, whichever one, they're they're both the same same tool, just with a different interface on top of it. You can't find a better product to help navigate where you're going. But now if all of a sudden I can find a little bit more information 
about that store or this restaurant or whatever product or services that somebody has paid some money for because, hey, they know somebody like, like Haggai who would like to see this ad. Stop here. That's what's, that's what's coming. You're going to see much, much more inside your Google Maps. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.